Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. What's interesting to me, though, is don't they think that you would not want to stay? That That's like the puzzling thing because they've been horrible to you throughout the relationship. I mean, why wouldn't they think, geez, who in the heck would want to hang around with that? So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. And on this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life, I'm going to be talking about what happens when you break up with a narcissist. And, you know, this is not a pretty subject because when you break up with narcissists, they don't want to see their supply of their narcissistic supply go running out the door. And it's kind of an interesting thing because, of course, it's interesting to me because it's, and by the way, it doesn't matter if it's a business relationship or a romantic relationship. And I've been in a business relationship with a narcissist and I've had to break up quote unquote, with a business, in a business relationship with a narcissist. And it doesn't, it's no better. And what's interesting to me is that regardless of the type of relationship it is, they they don't want to see their, their supply, their narcissistic supply go running out the door. What really is interesting to me though, is that they've been pretty awful to you throughout the relationship. And yet when you go to walk out the door, they don't want to see you go out the door. And what's interesting to me though is, don't they think that you would not want to stay? That That's like the puzzling thing because they've been horrible to you throughout the relationship. I mean, why wouldn't they think, geez, who in the heck would want to hang around with that? Who in the heck would want to stay in a situation where somebody has been horrible and heinous to them the whole entire time, right? But yet they don't, I, I, it's, there's some like weird thing that where it's like they don't that just doesn't compute with them for some reason for some reason they just don't compute the fact that their behavior would make somebody not want to hang around i don't know but yet i don't know anyway um they 
have been horrible to you the entire time, yet they don't want to see their supply go out the door. Basically, what happens with narcissists is they they see you as either for them or against them. So if you are no longer going to be for them, then you're definitely now going to be against them. So I guess conceptually during the relationship, they saw you as basically for them. But when you are no longer going to be for them, you are definitely now against them. So, and they see things very much in black and white. So once the relationship breaks down, you're definitely against them. And I guess I should back up a little bit for those of you who don't, aren't familiar with the various stages of a narcissistic relationship, which are love bombing, devaluing, and discarding. And I should also say that those stages of a narcissistic relationship are not linear. That is to say that it's not love bombing, then then devaluing, then discarding. They It does start off with love bombing and then it goes into devaluing, but then, then it goes into this whole, I call it like a toxic stew in between because then it's like back to love bombing when they need to. And then it's like, into devaluing and then back to love bombing and then back to discarding and then maybe even devaluing and then back to love bombing. It's this whole crazy situation because they use this love bombing. And by the way, love bombing is just kind of this term that is has been coined for when they turn on the charm. When they turn back on the charm that they used at the beginning of the relationship to get you to get back to whatever it is that they want you to be doing, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean even, mm-hmm. by the way, it doesn't even have to be a, a, a romantic relationship that's just how they are when they're being their charming selves, when they're trying to get you to take the focus off of whatever it is that they did wrong. So, or uh, take the focus off of you being uh, interested in leaving or interested in holding them accountable or interested in seeing them for who they really are or whatever it is. Whenever they want you to get back to seeing them for being, you know, back to them being charming and all of that sort of thing, then they 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 turn on this love bombing thing. So you know, and then and then they go back to being you know however they want to be. So lying, 
denying, irresponsible, whatever it is. So, you know, it's just this massive up and down situation with them all the time. And by the way, there was this study done by this psychologist named Dr. Robert Sapolsky on monkeys. And he did this study where he gave these monkeys a reward where every time they did something good and nothing happened to their brain. He measured like the dopamine levels in their brain. And when he gave them a reward intermittently where they didn't know when they were going to get a reward, just the the anticipation that they were going to get a reward would cause the dopamine levels in their brain to rise to the level of cocaine. So just, just, just that anticipation level would rise thinking that they were going to, you know, get this reward. So that's what happens with narcissists. Like you go from this high all like at the beginning, like thinking that they're so perfect and so amazing. And then like all of a sudden they're ghosting you and gaslighting you and then back to the highs again. And then, and then, and then back to the lows and then maybe they'll be good again. And then maybe not. And, and you're just this toxic stew, which is so different than somebody who's consistently normal, you know, it's just you're constantly with these highs and lows with these people. And that's why it's just so crazy to deal with them. So when you break up with a narcissist, you do. You, you get this sudden love bombing again, back to this bargaining. And, you, you know, they start flooding your texts and showing up at your house or office and, and, you know, now you're in this fight of your life and you, you because they, they hate seeing your, their supply go out the door. So they're not going to want to see it go out the door very quickly. Oh, promise to change. You'll be lost without me. You'll never find somebody like me or, or you might get this other, other side of it how horrible you are to abandon them. You're abandoning the family or this massive guilt trip. I I mean, I know for me with the, the business relationship that I was in, all of a sudden I would see this surge of this person suddenly doing all of the things that they were supposed to be doing in the business in the first place. All of a sudden, the work was being done that they were supposed to do and the projects were being finished that they were supposed to be doing. And for me, I was thinking, okay, now I realize that you did know what you were supposed to be doing. I actually felt kind of resentful about that. Like, um, okay, it actually didn't love bomb me. It made me more kind of sickened. I didn't find it charming. I found it gross, but okay. 
Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. But they want to line up a new form of supply in the sense that that new form is going to give them adulation and stroke their ego and all of that. But now they can get supply by also making you squirm, by making it seem like, look at me, I've got this new better form and I can use this better form to rub your face in it and and try to make you squirm that way. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they're not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party Judges rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create the resource Tips for Negotiating with a Narcissist. To download the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash negotiate. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging like a narcissist or other high conflict personality and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. They will will absolutely lose their minds when you start setting boundaries and The reason is that they came into your life with the whole idea that they're going to own you. And now we return to today's show. But then when when they realize you're not turned on to that, like, okay, I'm not going to be... I'm not falling for that. That's when it gets messy really fast. Because once they realize you're not coming back, uh, then really the gloves come off because then you're going to pay. Now you have to pay for not coming back. And you have to, they definitely want to make you look bad before you can look make them look bad so they're going to want to take you down first in, in front of the public you know so because 
you've disgraced their face, you know, like publicly. So you're just going to have to pay. So it's just going to be all out war. And, and so regardless of who wanted it or didn't want it or whatever, they'll just, if it's a divorce situation, just prepare They'll use the court system as a sword, ignore court orders, lie, cheat, manipulate text messages, not give up discovery, line up their flying monkeys. You know, everything that you think that they're going to do, they're going to do. They will, you know, try to get the judge on their side, try to get the lawyers on their side, try to trigger you so that you will be looking like the crazy one. I mean, it's different depending on what kind of narcissist you're dealing with, whether it's a covert narcissist or a malignant narcissist or a grandiose narcissist, a covert narcissist is less likely to ignore court orders outright because they try to stay more covert, whereas a malignant narcissist is more, they're more likely to, you know, ruin your life. I mean, the the malignant narcissists are the ones that are going to be more likely to accuse you of being a child molester, even if you're not. I mean, they're, they're more likely to be a stalker or violence. But, you know, regardless of that, I mean, they'll just do whatever they need to. Um, and the next thing they will do is try to get their new form of supply lined up immediately. And regardless of whether this is a divorce or not, even if it's a business situation or um, a, a divorce or regardless of the type of relationship this is, they're definitely going to want to have their new form of supply lined up as quickly as possible. They want to make sure that you know that they don't need you anymore. But not just that, but they want to be able to continue to have you be a form of supply now, but they've They've swapped out the type of supply they get from you as in the sense that while they're not getting supply from you anymore and however they got it from you during the relationship, the supply they get from you now is more um, from manipulating you and making you squirm and making your life miserable. But they want to line up a new form of supply in the sense that that new form is going to give them adulation and stroke their ego and all of that. But now they can get supply by also making you squirm, by making it seem like, look at me, I've got this new, better form And I can use this better form to rub your face in it and and try to make you squirm that way and and try to put the screws to you like that. 
So, you know, and try to trigger you and make you look bad and try to make your life miserable, all in those ways as well. So uh, that's all part of the whole new form of supply and making you look bad and making you put the screws to you through the new form of supply as well. So the new form of supply will serve many different purposes as far as their ego is concerned. It's not just to give them a new form of adulation, but it's also that new form of supply is also to make you miserable and make you squirm and try to make your life miserable as well. The next thing is also to try to get an upper hand on you, try to beat you, try to win, try to sabotage you in every way, shape, or form. So it might be through your lawyer, it might be through third parties, it might be through just however they can try to make it harder for you. They will try to do that. Even making sure that they get a better lawyer, making sure that they conflict other lawyers out, making sure that maybe they trigger you so that you do something stupid so that you have a bad trial exhibit. In other words, make sure that whatever you put your hand to, you know, whatever text message you write, whatever email you write, whatever social media thing you post doesn't make you look bad because they will be trying to trigger you. They're going to try to get the upper hand. So be careful about that. Uh, The other thing that they may try to do is as soon as you get some sort of upper hand, let's just say it's some sort of a court case or something, they will try to hoover you or do something to try to sabotage that upper hand in some way. Oh, maybe we should try to work this out. Maybe we should have a conversation. Oh, your lawyer is terrible. Your lawyer sucks. Your lawyer doesn't have have any scruples. Your lawyer is too busy. You know, everybody talks about how, um, I don't know, whatever it is that they're going to say. They're going to try to sabotage whatever kind of upper hand you ever get in some way. They might try to, I don't know, do something. And then, you know, the other thing you might try to do is, you know, try to, Hoover you, period, you know, just try to ping you. Like once they see that you've sort of moved on, they might try to six months from now, you might just get some kind of thing in your inbox, your email. Hey, how's it going? How are you? 
been thinking of you, or or you might hear from third parties, oh, so-and-so was asking about you, something like that. Just don't fall prey to any of that. And and by the way, the other thing that I, I also want to just sort of warn you about, a lot of people wonder, oh, you know, the, the next person is getting the, the better version of this person. I had to go through all of this and now the next person is getting the better version just first of all, wipe all of that out of your brain because they don't change. They're not better. The next person is going to find out that they're the same. And, you know, they're only going to keep them around for as long as they're a decent supply source. And second of all, who really cares? You know, the... <laughs> You just need to get yourself together. You need to heal. You need to move on. They're not good. You know, they don't they don't get better. They don't. They they weren't good for you. Obviously, they just suck the life out of you. Your soul always knows what's best for you. Your soul always knows what you need. And you just need to do what's best for you. And that this is not it. You know, this is not what's good for you, your soul, or your future. So who really cares what's, what's best, what, what, what's going on on the other side of the fence anymore, right? You know, no give backs. So namaste and walk away, all right? And... Uh, you know, it's time for you to slay, slay your life, slay your day, slay your own side of the fence. And, uh, you know, as I've said many times, you know, you, you guys can join my club and I think it's definitely time for you to join your membership, join my membership. It's, you know, don't be out there as an island on your own. I do a live Q and A every month in my membership. So, you know, come to joinslay.com forward slash club, join the club and grab my free crush my negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com and, you know, or my, join my free private Facebook group, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to this podcast. Don't be out there alone. You know, that's why I do all this. That's why I give away all this content because I don't want you to be out there by yourselves. All right. So remember, today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. Today's a great day to slay. I'm Rebecca Zung. Thank you so much for listening. And I will check check you guys out in the next podcast or on my YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com and 
And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.